it's gone. It's a grand slam. And that's the ball game. This is the Prospects Baseball Show, your inside look at the boys and girls of summer. Here's your hosts, Dean Millard and Jordan Blundell. Hello there, and welcome to the Prospects Baseball Show uh, from Podcast Alley, just outside of Edmonton. I'm Dean Millard, and my good friend Jordan Blundell. Uh, I think we have the cameras. You can uh, you can wave at your camera if you want to. I'll, yeah, that's I'll, your camera. I'll do, there. I'll do like the looking at the wrong camera. Yeah, like that's I'm right. Looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, there. Now, now you are officially on uh, camera. So anyway, if you're watching us on, where are we going to uh, put YouTube, that? Yeah, we're going to put that on a YouTube channel. Yeah. We're going to get that. We're uh, close to getting that sorted done. out. So yeah. we will have details in the next uh, day or so, uh, maybe hours. Who yeah. knows? Depending on when you're Stay listening tuned. to this, when uh, of where you will be able to uh, watch this. But you can hear it as usual on the uh, same spots. And today you will hear Tom Hager, uh, who is uh, Jordan's former coach at the University of Jamestown. He is going to join us a little bit later for a conversation about uh, college baseball, Major League Baseball, Jordan Blundell Uh as a player. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Stories are going to come up. Major League Baseball free agency continues. We will uh, have a uh, big chat about that. And we'll also have some uh, prospect player signings to tell you about. Um, and there's some, uh, some really good ones, uh, that, uh, I think that are gonna, it's gonna be pretty exciting for, uh, the prospects just, just from what you have told me about some of the, uh, the players that you have coming in. Um, I think, uh, I think fans are going to be uh, pretty excited. So you can get in touch with us a couple of different ways. Uh, you can get us uh, on Twitter at prospect pod at Jordan Blundell for at Duck Millard, and of course, at EDM Prospects. Instagram, at Prospects Baseball Show. You can get us on Facebook at Prospects Baseball Show. If you want to email us, it's prospectsbaseballshow at gmail.com. Uh, there's the website on the screen if you're watching, prospectsbaseballshow.ca. And for all your team needs, keep up to date with the Edmonton Prospects. It is www.prospectsbaseballclub.com. Uh, you might also be listening to us on uh, 12 ounce sports radio. You can check them out at 12 ounceSportsRadio.com. live radio and TV shows, um, that have great sports variety and some great live sports as well. All right, let's go around the horn. Hey, bada, 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 so bada. Got him looking at the curveball. Let's go around the horn and get the big news in baseball. Okay, so big some news. more uh, free agency news uh, trickling in as um, we're getting to the slow days now. Like it was, it, but it was it, it's well, been we're close to spring training. Yeah, and it's faster than it was last year. Yeah. Last year's free agency was also awful. So this has been much better. Maybe it's because we had the scandal in there, like around Christmas time. That yeah. kind of like. Maybe that, that could have been it. Maybe that helped speed us up into this point. <laughs> maybe. Scandal every year. They needed some good news. So they, <laughs> uh, so let's go uh, scandal every year, yeah. as, uh, as mentioned. So uh, the Cincinnati Reds uh, made a move today. Uh, Nick uh, Castellano, double machine. He had 58 doubles last year. Signs a four-year, $64 million deal. This one has you scratching your head, though, a little bit. Sort of. 
sort of scratching the head because they they've got they've got six guys right now that are big league outfielders. The question mark would be the Japanese player that they mm-hmm. signed, Akiyama. Um, we don't know what he's going to bring, but there's a pretty good chance he's going to be at, at worst serviceable. Um, so uh, Castellanos makes number seven. So they had Nick Senzel. They had Philip Irvin, who's a young guy, lots of talent. Jesse Winkler. Uh, on my fantasy team, Jesse Winkler. Yeah, and you know there's power potential yeah, there. there lefty bat. Like there's some it's important parts to his game. Aristides Aquino, who came out of nowhere and was was pretty much like uh, Jordan Alvarez in yep, the American. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, Aquino just came out of nowhere and started blasting balls out of the yard. Um, I don't even know how many guys I mentioned. And then they get Castellanos. Um, so there's a log jam. So why not just play a couple of guys for a few innings, then just get a brand new outfield? They they, they, they got seven outfielders. They can have a you know <laughs> a different outfield for the last half of the game. Well, and, and I jest, but there's going to be have to be some movement. And and they're they're talking about one of the their younger players that they're going to be dealing. Yeah. So I I uh, fortunately enough, I got to go to see the ballpark in San Francisco. It's amazing. It is. It's so unbelievable. I watched man. Russell like, Martin hit a home run as a Dodger oh, in that ballpark. So you had the greatest experience yeah, possible for and a Dodger. And the Dodgers trip. won. Yeah. yeah. Um, unbelievable experience. If you haven't gone and you're thinking of somewhere to go, you cannot go wrong going to San Fran. Yeah. It's the best ballpark I've ever been to because the other one was that dump, the Metrodome. <laughs> I love the Metrodome. I should have brought that up yeah. with our guest we, today. I played in the Metrodome. I, I know you it. did. Yeah. King, garbage bags. King Griffey Jr. Super Nintendo. I was always the Twins because of the Metrodome. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so. Um, I saw Luis Castillo pitch. That was fun to watch. And I saw Nick Senzel twice yeah. play like uh, Friday and Sunday. And I, I really just love how he goes about the game. He, he was a really good player. Uh, I really liked his approach, you know, how he played the outfield, like the, the, he's got a little bit of a swagger, but it's, it's not, it's not arrogant. It's just, you know, mm-hmm. he's a big league ball player. Um, I, I, I don't want to see him go. I like him. I like him as a fit for Cincinnati, 25 year old outfielder with some potential. So he's proven it a little bit, you know, double digit home runs and stolen bases last year, which, you know, I love the stolen bag. Of course. Um, so I don't know what they're going to do, but Aristides Aquino's playing. Nick Castellanos is playing. Senzel had pretty good numbers. They've got the Winkler. Ak- Akiyama coming in. They've got Winkler. They've got this young guy, Phil Irvin. So ultimately, I see some sort of deal happening. So they got too many guys. What What are they using this surplus of outfielders pitching to go after? They're gonna. They're, you think they'll or, use that to go out and get an arm or two, or they go get a shortstop named Francisco Lindor? Oh, okay. You know that would be the play. They you think send, that train is still uh, on the tracks? Yeah, I mean, if you if you put the right guys in the package for Cleveland, I think they're. They're similar to the Oakland A's is that they're trying to sell before it's too late. They've mm-hmm. got two years left of Lindor. Nobody in their right mind would not want to keep those two years, but if yeah. he walks for nothing. It's worse. Yeah. It's worse. So they're looking at it right now. They're staring the barrel uh, right right face, right at their face right okay. now. So um, if I'm the Indians, you know, you need Nick Senzel. You might try and get Phil Irvin. Um you, you need some arms too. So I'm not as familiar with what the Reds have lower in their system or even at the double A level. I'm mm-hmm. sure they've got a couple guys. Um, you would be looking for two arms and probably two guys ready to go. And they haven't, they have a couple of outfield options that are ready to play every day. So that would be what Cleveland's looking for. And then you throw in Freddie Galvis, right? He goes and plays short there. So I don't know who else is available. You know, like you, in my mind, the and I like Freddie Galvis, so I don't see that as a whole. 
Is he Francisco Lindor? No, he's not. Lindor's better. Um, so they could make an upgrade there. They've got Eugenio Suarez at third base. Just, you know, he had like 49 home runs last year, so he's pretty good. Uh, they signed Mike Moustakis. He's going to mm-hmm. play second, and he's a 30 home run second baseman from the left side. They can't they can't lose any more left-handed bats, and they got Joey Votto at first. So um, the only spot to make a move is potentially at the catching position with Tucker Barnhart, which he's a really good defensive guy. He's got a little bit of a stick. There's not, no reason to move him unless it's a complete upgrade and shortstop. So you're either looking to trade some guys for some young arms, replenish the system, or you got too many guys. Okay, speaking of outfielders, uh, Starling Marte is uh, on his way to the yeah. D-backs, and they uh, they, they get a, some minor leaguers. Uh, they get some international slot money. So for me, that it, that's what... it. it International slot money, if, if people are unfamiliar. So basically they get like 12 tokens to the late, the local casino. Is that what international yeah, and, slot and money you get is? A couple slot machine money? First class flights to Macau. Right. Uh, you okay, get, yeah. get in there and get some slot yeah, money. Yeah. It's international. cannot be used That's right. in the USA. You get free buffet. Yeah, always. Oh, you're a preferred client. So, right. yeah, so you're, you're getting upsized. They're looking at their, their staff Christmas party going to be a pretty good <laughs> one. <laughs> they're all going to Macau. So what is international slot so money? So international slot money is based on um, non-American or Canadian players uh, are available to be signed as of when they're 16 years old. So this is something the CBA. So non-North American. Non-North American. Yeah, you, you can't be okay. from around here. So there's okay. actually a disadvantage for our top 16-year-olds compared to yeah. Dominican and um, Colombian, Venezuelan. Like if they're legit, like Vladdy, yeah. if they're that guy, now does this cover money. like China and Asia? Is that a different situation? <laughs> I would have to delve in further. Yeah. It is different because J- Japan guys get drafted into the Japanese right, league. Yeah. They're signed to a team over there. You got to buy them. And then up. you got to post yeah. and buy them. Yeah, so that, it's, so a it's a different. So this is more of uh, on this side of the continent. Yeah. Yeah. Players that reside outside of the U.S., Canada, and Puerto Rico had not been enrolled in a high school in any of those locations right. and are at least 16 years of age or will turn 16 prior to September 1. Those are the players that are available. So okay, so a let's lot talk, of Latin-born players are in this. Th- yeah, that's yes. right. Yeah, yeah. So Starling Marte, um, this is a, a guy that uh, like he was suspended a few years ago uh, for uh, PED use. Yeah, I got a fifty, a fifty or an eighty. Yeah, maybe one of them might be eighty. It was, anyways, at least yeah. fifty games. He there is potential there. Uh, so what what does this move do for? I guess the D-backs as far as contention. Uh, I, the D-backs are one of these teams that kind of, um, they, they fly under the radar a little bit. You know, they made some moves, the Goldschmidt, and, and they're really, comp- Arizona really is a competitive program over mm-hmm. there. They've built a great organization. So what I think them getting Starling Marte means is that they've picked up an athletic outfielder. Um, Teams in the big leagues are all about versatility. As we that word was probably the the word of the summer last year on on the podcast. We talked about how our guys have yeah. ability to play around, uh, and that was important in, in recruiting these players for me. Is that they were versatile. This it's provides important in fantasy too. It definitely is. If that double position, man. Kiki Hernandez was so <laughs> important uh, to be able to just not that he was in my everyday lineup, but if a guy was hurt, boom, he could yeah, fill in yeah. in that in that spot right totally important um so i think they see sterling Marte as a guy that that'll be like a 
a third outfielder, kind of left field. They got David Peralta. It's another bat. It's another athlete that yep. they can kind of mix and match and and have the depth to withstand anything that may happen. Um, and you you see that the better ball clubs now they've got four or five legit guys that are playing in the outfield, mm-hmm. and they just figure it out from there. Yep. Load management is part of this, giving guys opportunity to to recoup and you know restore the body and and recover and and be at their optimal performance you need depth to do yeah. that that's what this provides and so they're looking at some analytic numbers and, and they must feel like starling Marte will be a great addition for them okay um the bringer of rain josh donaldson this happened i like right after our, our show last yeah, week have. uh so we, we haven't really had a chance to uh, chat about this um i don't know i i like josh donaldson <laughs> i i thought he had a terrific comeback year last year yeah. Four years is too long, in my opinion, for Josh Donaldson. I think Double A had it right. One year deals because he just who did he just gave a one year deal? Ozuna. Uh, Ozuna, a one year deal. He replaced the right handed bat. That's right. What do you think about the length? I don't care how much you're paying Josh Donaldson. What do you think about the length? Yeah, um, tricky question uh, because I'm I'm a huge JD fan. Um, he's similar to probably one of your boys, Russell Martin, in that his teams make the playoffs. Okay, good so, point. So yeah. there's something about, and, and not, hey, the Braves were really good without JD, and they're going to be really good again this year. Sure, yeah, yeah. The, the Blue Jays, the Oakland A's, then the Blue Jays, then the Braves. The Braves had a surprising season last year. Mm-hmm. Not that they weren't going to be good, but like they, they ran the show that whole they summer. They were a little bit early, a little bit than, early yeah. than what people expected. And they, it seemed like they ran the show in the NL East, you know, and, and so... JD's been a part of this a few times in a la Russ Martin, the Pirates, the Yankees, the Blue Jays, the Dodgers for Russ mm-hmm. Martin. He's a, he's a guy that's in the playoffs. And if we remember back to our youth, do you know, guy's name is David Justice. Mm-hmm. Always was in the playoffs. That guy. How about that guy's jersey uh, right? up on, in, in the corner of there? Uh, so there's Kirk Gibson. Totally. Just, just if anybody doesn't, um, Kirk Gibson, legendary Dodger. Uh, massive home run, and I'm specifically saying that for Jack Cookson of Pro-Am Sports. <laughs> there it is, Jack. Yeah, I, I just but send yeah, Dino up for that. You're, you're right, though. Yeah. Certain guys were hi- almost hired guns in the play. Claude Lemieux in hockey was that, right? Those yeah. guys that are always in the playoffs, they know what it takes. They know what it takes when you're in the playoffs, how to how to be, you know, because for some guys uh, that are veterans, the playoffs is such a different beast. So the twins must be looking at like there's some value attached to what he brings on a 162 game schedule. What's mm-hmm. in the clubhouse? How he does his work? How he prepares? I like JD yeah, a lot. Certainly not playing every day. That's the downside with Josh Donaldson. Yeah, you know, and, and he played a lot of games last year, and he proved that he could stay on the field. But he is getting old. You're right. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a gamble. Um, he brings a lot of value, I think. Um, and, and in the way Nelson Cruz does as well of being a true professional hitter, uh, he will rub off on other guys, his approach, his demeanor, his professionalism, which is already there. They didn't need to bring him in. Nelly Cruz has done that. The twins hit like 310 home runs last year. Yeah. More than the Yankees. I which, which is crazy. This is crazy. They're, they're, their ballpark's not like Yankee stadium either. That's right. Yeah. So they're dropping real, real deal bombs all summer long. So bringing in JD, Makes him even more dangerous. He's a, he's a plus defender at third base, um, and Nelly Cruz isn't going to play four years, so he could potentially transition into year three and four into the DH role. Right. 
which makes it a little bit safer. They've got a little bit of coverage and overlap as they put the jigsaw puzzle together. So do you, are you saying the twins are maybe um, buying JD for more than just on the field in that maybe year three and four, uh, his play drops off, but his work ethic and his professionalism and his attitude can can almost be in a mentorship. So you're almost you, you hope you get four great years of production, but if not, you just yeah. hope that he's almost like a player coach, almost well, really they, a guide to the younger players. Yeah, well, they they paid market value for what he provides. They actually got him for a little bit less than okay. what he could get technically. But he probably wasn't getting four years from a lot of teams. Probably not. And, and you know what? The the Braves are probably looking at. 70 million like they probably right, were yeah. they they were well they wanted the one-year deal you know maybe they go to two or three but they didn't want to do four um you know four four times 20 is 80 he's getting 92 so you know it, it's 23 a year it, it's not yeah. it, it's crazy to think that that's not even that much because it's not well, the third <laughs> the, the the next level is 30 and 40 and yeah. right so yeah, and the, that's you're in the 20s guys. it's uh yeah. it's almost like mid-range so you take a gamble on a guy who could get hurt who could not maybe perform because of injuries and you're paying him probably mm. a little bit less than what his value actually is but because he's old his value isn't that in reality in reality, they're getting one of the premier right-handed hitters in the game. They're going to couple him with Nelson Cruz. They, they, they've got a couple of really good young players, athletic guys with Kepler and, and Rosario and shortstop Polanco. Mm. Like, man, like they're, they're, they got a chance to be really good. And, and they'll be in the mix to add an arm, which they were trying to do all offseason. They'll be in the mix come trade time to bring in another arm. Jose Barrios is legit. Odorizzi had a good year. They did signed some veterans to help out with Homer Bailey and and uh, your boy Rich Hill. Mm -hmm. So they've done good work. I, I I like what the Twins have done here. Okay, uh, the this Mookie Betts thing won't go away, and now yeah, the Dodgers smoke are smoking fire here. Well, now the Do yeah, that's right. The Dodgers are back in it. The Padres are looking in it. Um, Will Myers is the name that's talked about. And from what I've read, and, you know, who knows if how true this is, but the Padres only want to pay a quarter of the salary. <laughs> yeah. uh, the Red Sox want the Padres to pay half the salary. Yeah. Uh, you have advice for some Padres. Get off your wallet. Yeah, well, like, if, you're, if, you're, if you're looking at doing, doing something for Mookie Betts and the, the, the names that were thrown out there, uh, an outfielder named Manuel Margot, who's, right. who's like, uh, he's, he's like a three and a half, you know, he's, he's not quite established, but he, there's a chance he's a number two outfielder. Josh Naylor, who's a Canadian kid, power-hitting first-base prospect. They got Cal Quantrill, another Canadian, kind of a, a location guy, like low is 90s. Is that Paul's son? It is, yeah. Okay, nice. And, and uh, Joey Lucchesi. So they've got two bat prospect options that are really close in the big leagues. They've got two arm really close in the big leagues as, as guys that are about to explode, mm -hmm. which would be appealing for the Red Sox. Um, but to do some of those prospects, the Red Sox need to take Will Myers. Will Myers is owed three years, 61 million, yep. 20, 40, 60. So it's 20 a year. We're looking at JD at 23. This is why JD at 23 is palpable. So if the Red Sox are offering to take 30 of the 60 and the Padres want them to take 40 of the 60 and they can't figure it out to get Mookie Betts mm -hmm. with Fernando Tatis Jr. and Manny Machado and to put him in San Diego 
which is the greatest place on earth to play baseball. It's so awesome there. What a beautiful ballpark city, like everything about San Diego. This, I mean, $10 million. Are we, are, who are we kidding? That's, that's chump change. We're splitting hairs here. It, it's, it's like a $5 million fine to the Astros. Yeah. Like that's, <laughs> that's right. That's yeah. like your 26 man makes 5 million. It's nothing. 10 million is nothing. So for them to be able to give up maybe two, two or three of those prospects with Will Myers out of town, bring Mookie Betts in and your three, four, five is Tatis, Machado, Mookie Betts, yeah. plus some of the other stuff they have there, man. Geez. How do the Dodgers do this then? They're not concerned about the money as much right, as the, the Padres would be. So yeah. um, taking on the salary isn't going to be an issue. Uh, it's well, probably giving the, up Gavin Lux. Like they don't want to give up Gavin Lux, and Boston Boston probably wants that. Yep. Yeah, and and uh, if the Dodgers hold firm, they don't need to give up Lux. They, do the Dodgers need Mookie Betts? I think they need arms, Dean. So okay. well, then uh, that would be a no. I mean, they they, they, they could, could use, use him, yeah, but do yeah. they need what, their well, biggest need is not Mookie Betts? No, and they, then they start running into the trouble that I think the Cincinnati Reds have is they've got a lot of bodies for the outfield, and and for sure, like Mookie will take that problem. Sure, yeah, yeah. But um, you, you need arms. You need arms to win. You know, and, and having Mookie Betts would be outstanding addition. Uh-huh. Um, but. You know, for me, they just haven't done enough on the arm side. So I'm sure they've got some guys that, that we don't really know about coming up the system that are going to blow our doors out. They're going to be th- pumping 98 with hammers yeah. that are names that we've never heard of that the, the Dodgers <laughs> are going to put out there and they're going to be legit. Okay, the Mets hire uh, Louis Rojas um, as Carlos Beltran was gone yep. with the Astros scandal. The fallout. Astros and Reds are still vacant. First of all, would you want the Astros job right now? I mean... You're, you're coming in with all these questions, so much scrutiny. You don't have first-round picks, so your team's not going to be that good in a couple of years. Yeah. Like, you're, you're almost, whoever takes this Astros job, I'm not saying they're going to, like, fall apart, but your, your development has been severely hampered in two or three, four years. So it's almost like whoever's taking this job is now just cooling their jets until they can get back up there. They're not going to fall off, but they're going to have trouble re- replacing players in 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 the next few years so what a great opportunity to be a hero uh, and take that okay. job and do a great job and, and yeah, that's smooth, way to look at it. smooth the waters the rough seas that, that they're in the middle of a storm um, great opportunity for a manager to come in there and write the ship um, in my opinion the the punishment is like uh, nothing like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you lose some opportunity at getting some guys at the back end of, of the rounds that they're going to lose guys. But your first, first two picks, two in years two in a row. Two years in a row is not chump change, man. I hear you. But they weren't affected in the international pool. So they can go out and get True. The, They can go get Vlad Guerrero, and who cares who your first round pick is? You know what I mean? Good point. If, they're, if they choose wisely, you know, you, you know, there's as many Vlad Guerrero juniors, there's been other guys that got big money that. Yeah, there's we, more guys we've than, never heard yeah, of still. Yeah, so yeah, the 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 draft pick thing, you, like that's three, four, five years down the line. Um, they so they can overcome this. You'd want the job now. You just don't want the job in four years. Well, and, and I think the reason why you might not want it in four years is, is because you know your stars are aging at that point, and you have nobody to replace them. Well, not as good you a can, talent. You as can you go would. spend money. You could, but you from your own backyard, yeah, right? Yeah, and they, I mean, they, they've stockpiled. They're, they're actually an organization that's got a lot of tools already in place to withstand something like this punishment. 
you're right. Like there's no denying that this will hurt them in some capacity. Mm-hmm. I don't think it will cripple them. I, I, I really don't see it being that, that severe of a, of an issue. It's like you just screwed up on some draft picks a couple times. It's not great for your business, but you know, there's a lot of good players out there in baseball and, and you know, they'll have the opportunity to get those guys. So um, I see th- I it as a really good opportunity. I'd like to see Dusty Baker in there or John Gibbons. I really like the idea of a, um, you know, a controlled, easygoing, um, proven manager for that ball club. Um, and and the, the names that for me that come to mind are Dusty and, and Gibby. I, I like how they would fit into what's going on there and it won't affect them at all. Mm-hmm. You know, the Dusty's been there and done that, man. Now, all that guy does is win 95 plus games. And Gibby, I mean, I just want Gibby around because he's a good dude. Mm-hmm. And he's had a lot of success as a manager. So, okay. So, quick one on that, and then we'll get to some of your player signings. But how good are the Astros next year when they don't know what pitch is coming? <laughs> it's a legitimate question. Yeah. No, I, I, they're, they're going to be good. Um, I don't think that they're the juggernaut. Uh, and that's, that has nothing to do with anything other than them losing Garrett Cole. That's what's well, going to be, you think they're still going to be as effective when they don't really know good. what the pitch is. They're going to be really good. Yeah. I mean, not as effective. No, they're, they're, they're not going to hit at the 1929 New York Yankees clip at home. Like they did, which yeah. is crazy. Those, the Kershaw road and home numbers from 2017, I got, I, I almost broke my phone when you sent it to me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they've got like talented you look guys. At the road, you look at the road and home splits of their last two World Series. It's ridiculous. And like I said, I do not want those guys getting a title with an asterisk. I don't want yep. the Dodgers. Th- that, that's not how it works. I know. I you know win you it, don't. But it still pisses me off so much. They're, you're right. The there's so much talent there on the offensive side of the ball that they're still going to be really good. Uh, they're they're a 90 win that team. Makes me so mad. I know they're, they're a 90 win team. So have the Angels and the Oakland A's done enough to bridge that gap? Maybe because Garrett Cole is a big deal. That's not a good point, him. actually. And I don't I don't see Verlander as good as Cole. I mean, we're splitting hairs a little bit. Yeah, but yeah, you're you're right. I think Verlander Cole is. Is more powerful the right word? I don't know. It's it's. I mean, they both. It's, it's weird to good. say Justin Verlander isn't as powerful yeah. as somebody. I think the loss of Garrett Cole is is the issue. That's where we see that the the chain reaction of events yeah. into the bullpen. Lance McCullers is coming back, but we don't know how he's going to be after his TJ. I really like him. Mm-hmm. He's not Garrett Cole, but I really like him. Jose Urquidy, his role will be elevated as well, a pitcher. Well, there's no one guy that's going to replace Garrett Cole. No, it's going no. to be a it's yeah. have to be a group. So effort. they're they're a good ball club, and whoever walks in there has a chance to go to the playoffs and do damage again okay. for sure. So you would want that job now. It's like the in you know, you'd want that job, and then you want to get out as soon as you see the cupboard being a little bit bare <laughs> well, and you I mean, get a new gig. I mean, you look at you know maybe in two years before like Bregman's deals five years. Maybe you look at moving him to replenish and go Maybe, and sign yeah. a guy. Like there's ways that you can make this work if if you if your tact is purposeful and you make the right decisions. Okay, uh, let's chat a little bit about uh, what you've been doing uh, yeah. lately yeah. and building your team, uh, the Edmonton Prospects. What do you have for us? We've got uh, a couple guys to to talk about here. Um, just recently, we've signed uh, a returning player, Zach Thomas, uh, utility guy. 
And you know, I love that versatility. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach came to us last year about midway through the season. Um, we had a need to bring in another fresh body to compete a little bit. Um, Zach came in, uh, in, in early mid July, uh, was just a really good kid. Uh, and, and gave you a, gave you a competitive at bat and just found ways to get things done. Um, had opportunities in, at second base and in left field, a DH a little bit, um, athletic player at love his compete level and he can play multiple spots and he's going to get a little time on the mound, uh, this year at Dixie state university. Mm, it's nice. in Dixie, Utah, St. George, Utah. Have you ever been there? No, it's absolutely beautiful, man. Like this is what, this is a hidden gem All right, everywhere. St. George, Utah. I'll put it on the list. It's so nice. Um, so we'll get Zach back. Uh, looking forward to having him. Like I said, he's a, he's a great club host guy. Great kid. I'm excited to have him back. Um, Marco Ozuna. He currently attends Cochise Community College. Didn't he just sign with the Braves? Yeah. You know, we, uh, we talked him out of that. Uh, he's got <laughs> nice. a little bit of eligibility yeah. left, right. uh, yeah, yeah. but we're going to use him on the yeah, mound. Right, yeah. he's so over, Marco Ozuna. Marco Ozuna. Um, he, I, I can't remember his hometown, but it, it's uh, between Phoenix and Tucson. Okay. A uh, little hometown there. Um, competitive kid. I really like the conversations I've had, the messages I've had with him. Um, competitor. You know I like that. Uh, he's at a really competitive junior college. Uh, I know Coach Englehart at Cochise. Um, really respect what they do down there. Um, so Phoenix is full of JUCOs. Right. Huge competition. And then Tucson's two hours Which is south. junior college, right? Junior yeah. college, yep. Two-year schools. Then Tucson is roughly two hours south. Uh, have, have Pima Junior College down there. Not as many as Phoenix. And then there's some random places. Yuma's got one, mm. like Western Arizona, kind of in the Yavapot. Like some Cochise is literally a mile away from Mexico. Wow. We took our team from VIU down into Phoenix, Tucson, and went and played Cochise back in the day. Um, it, you, you, the highway is literally like, that's Mexico right there. And we, I got guys that have never been anywhere, right? Yeah. We're, we're pretty much in Mexico. Awesome. They compete there. Winning is very important, and how they go about winning games is important. Uh, I really respect that about Coach Englehart. Uh, he's built an unbelievably competitive program in an unbelievably competitive environment, mm-hmm. which is Arizona college baseball. Um, so Marco comes highly recommended from Coach, and I, mean, I like this kid. I like the messages, the the conversations. So I think we're getting a good one. Anyway, he he's uh, at worst he's a good kid. And then we'll see what he could do for the, for us on the mound, which I think we're going to like. Um, and then lastly, uh, just got this done. Uh, Morris Austin, uh, from the DFW area, Dallas, Fort Worth. Mm -hmm. Uh, they've got a couple airports there. Be careful when you're traveling. You got to pick the right airport to land in. Um, he's at North central Texas college. It's a junior college, um, about an hour away from Dallas. Uh, not sure what town that's in. And Morris Austin is uh, kind of a big body, um, converted catcher, was a catcher in high school. Uh, he's a sophomore, uh, signed to go to Houston Baptist, which is a perennial power type program. Uh, after his junior college season's done, he's going to Houston Baptist. Uh, Morris is, you know, big Texas pitcher, man. Great kid. Like, really great kid. Does he have the Texas drawl? No, I didn't pick that up. Oh. I, 
Actually, I, I, I got to rethink signing. You, you got to. We you need some start, Texas uh, draw. You got to start basing your signings on how they will sound on a podcast. I know. Just like fantasy is our number one focus, no matter what. I messed up here. We got to go best accents for podcast. You're right. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. I've been talking to him. At, I didn't hear that good old Texas drawl or anything like well, that. We'll get him to work on it. Maybe. Yeah. He can work It'll on it. It'll be funny. He comes up here speaking normal yeah. and, and does impressions all summer and goes back goes down back with, with the with Texas accent. accent. Yeah. So Morris is going to be at the back end probably for NCTC, North Central Texas College. Yeah. He's going to be kind of a closer role. Um, so pump, do you see him in a similar it. role for you then? Yeah, we, we yeah. talked about that with him and Marco and, and, and Zach and the other pitchers we've signed. Um, we're just like the college program. You know, we'll have some idea, a framework for the first couple of weeks of where we want to and give it might, you, then it might change, give right? you opportunity. Yeah. And then, and then it's about competing and creating a role for yourself. Well, then it becomes organic. You, 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 you sort of have what you think it would be. Yeah. You let it play out and yeah. then they determine it for themselves ultimately. Well, right. And then we look at what happened with Trevor Berg last year, yeah. who was Berg and Wiley were our kind of eighth and ninth inning guy. And, um, it came to a point like we need to we need some more innings. I know Trevor wants an opportunity to start. Mm-hmm. He was great about it. He, he no complaint. He just he, I know you know what we're going to give you this opportunity now. It's a couple weeks in. We're not using you enough from what we've seen. You've been really successful. Let's see That's if right. we can extend. And he goes out and shoves like six out of seven starts and and just mows guys down. And I absolutely love Trevor Berg on the mound. The way he goes about his business. So. That's case in point, and that happens on every college program all across North America. Is what what is your pitching staff day one? It changes by day thirty, and we'll probably see that. But we know for for sure one thing for sure about this: the group of guys we have signed right now, and and the guys that I'm hopefully going to get, uh, we're close on. They are competitive, competitive. Like there's no doubt about this, and I'm sure other teams have this on their staff. You know. I'm sure there's competitive guys everywhere, mm-hmm. but I know for a fact we're getting guys that are hungry and just like Coach Hager had mentioned, something to prove. And I've heard that in their voices already. They're not done. So I'm excited about that. You could probably pick up my passion already. All right. I'm looking forward to it. I'm also looking forward to our featured interview uh, for today. So let's get to it right now. Play ball! Very pleased to be joined by the head coach uh, at the University of Jamestown, Tom Hager is our guest today. Tom, thanks very much for uh, joining us here on the uh, Prospects Baseball Show. Uh, of course, uh, one of your former players is uh, on this program, and he's very excited about this. But uh, I, I think we should start with, uh, you know, some some tragic news uh, that took place uh, over the weekend in the loss of, um, you know, many people in a helicopter crash, including a very well-known Kobe Bryant. Um, this is a... This is just unspeakable, and I'm I'm still in a little bit of shock with this. How did you uh, How did you guys address this with your student athletes? Well, it started uh, yesterday, which would have been Sunday, the day that that uh, he passed away. We were uh, a lot of our student body was at a basketball game, um, supporting uh, the University of Jamestown men's and women's teams, and uh, it was a great atmosphere for college basketball. And uh, about halfway through the day, we found out the news. And uh, you could just see everybody checking their cell phones, um, everybody in shock. Uh, It it was really uh, one of those times that I'll never forget. 
And uh, throughout the course of 24 hours, uh, my players, my coaches, uh, my family, um, such a deep discussion about Kobe Bryant and, and the things that he stood for. And we decided to carry that over today into a team meeting. And we talked a little bit about uh, what made Kobe Kobe, what made him so special. And we also had a, a guest speaker at our team meeting today, uh, Riley Selman. Uh, Riley was a uh, men's U.S. Olympic volleyball player, uh, a guy who uh, spent some time with Kobe uh, at the uh, Olympics back in uh, 2004. And uh, it was just so uh, good to hear the, the, the unbelievable comments about Kobe and uh, the things that you hear on TV, he reiterated how true they are, how much of a competitor he was, and how first class of a guy he was. So we're all kind of reeling here today, and uh, but I think we definitely have great memories about Kobe Bryant and his game. Yeah, it, uh, a competitor probably is a, is a great way to describe what, what Kobe Bryant stood for. Um, and we'll kind of segue that into the baseball program at Jamestown and, and being a competitor is something that is important to be, uh, to be a successful Jimmy baseball player. Uh, Skip, we, what's the process like for you guys as, as you're getting closer to first game? Um, how do you go about preparing your players, uh, you know, at practice, but also with what you described as a team meeting and bringing the guys together? How do you tie all that into the, the six weeks that you have uh, before the first game comes up? Well, I think you take a look at the, where do we want to be, you know, six weeks from now and work backwards. And my experience through 20 some years of being a college coach is you've got to set some goals. You have to have some deadlines and you really got to ask yourself, well, where does my team need to be? Not only in those six weeks, but where do we want to be at the end of the season? And then you need to work backwards. So we plan team meetings once a week where we bring in guest speakers. Um, we talk uh, not only about the physical part of baseball, but also the mental game. And, uh, you know, in addition to those team meetings, um, we've got a plan each week with how we feel like we need to prepare our pitchers and our position players. And then uh, whether we're, you know, on the field, uh, in the gym, in the cages, or in the weight room, we talk a ton about what it means to be a Jimmy and, and the competitive nature that that includes. I don't care what we're doing. There should be a competition. And the more competitions you have under your belt, the better you're going to be late in the season. So we try to put our guys in those competitive environments through those six weeks. And um, I think the other thing that we try to address is what can we do as an individual um, every single day that's going to make us better? Because if every guy is getting better every day, then our team's going to get better. And so those are some things that we think about as we're putting together a plan to get ready for games at the end of February and then making a playoff push in May. It's interesting when you talk about that competition and, and it's it's so important. Hockey, basketball, uh, football, you can go one-on-one. What? How do you generate those competition with your uh, players in leading up to that, you know, obviously a pitcher can go one-on-one, but for the rest of the team, how do you challenge them to compete with each other in a, in a positive way? Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing that we do that um, we picked up many years ago that has been very successful for our team is when we're in the weight room every Friday, we have some kind of a competition. It might be uh, two teams in a relay race. 
it might be a squat competition, chin-ups competition, whatever it might be, even when uh, we're not playing baseball games, on those Fridays, we want it to be game-like. And then when we transfer over into everyday practices in January and February, it could be something as simple as a bunt drill, it could be a, a hitting drill, or it might be actually going live one-on-one. We want guys to feel like every time they step in the box, for something as simple as a drill or a live situation that they're trying to win the battle. And then we carry that over to life. I mean, we talk a ton as a coaching staff about how every day is a daily grind when you're in the adult world. And, and are you going to win or are you going to lose on a daily basis? So hopefully the things that we're conveying to these guys about competition aren't just baseball games. Hopefully we're also teaching them about how to compete in life. Yeah, it, it's really important. And some of the lessons that, uh, you know, I, I was able to learn and was taught at Jamestown have, have helped me in different situations throughout, you know, my professional career, which just happens to have been uh, involved in the game of baseball, but also on the business side and, and overcoming adversity. And, um, you know, there's lots of ups and downs. And, and you know, for me, uh, it is a big part of my ability to overcome some of the obstacles that I've faced is, is what I've learned at Jamestown. And, that's a lot, a lot of thanks to you, Skip. You know that. You know how much I care about you. Um, I want to get into something that that centers around competition, and, and I don't think we've brought this subject up yet on our podcast. It's called the College Fall Ball World Series. Mm, no, we haven't talked about and, that. And this is a good timing because I remember what it was like for me as a player, and I've done it as a coach. <laughs> you talk about competition and competing. Skip, tell me a little bit what it's like temperature wise and team chemistry wise and vibe wise when you split the guys that are going to go to battle as one in the spring into two different teams and they play off against each other in the fall what's that like well you know you can make it be just simply a scrimmage and have two teams play my problem with that is is you spend most of the fall doing that and uh, i think if it's just another scrimmage then your team isn't getting enough out of those games that you're about to play. So we have our seniors draft teams. And um, <clears throat> once we draft those teams and we make them a part of this draft day, then uh, we set the parameters for what uh, things are going to be like for the World Series, how many games we're going to play, what the rules are. We hire umpires and, um, you know, we get out and, and we compete for uh, three games or five games or whatever we decide we're going to do that year. And, um, then it's you know you against your roommate it's you against your best friend and those times are times that i'll never forget as a player and uh, we try to make sure that we make it as competitive as possible so that there's bragging rights in that dorm room or that apartment for the rest of the year but we also want to make it competitive because we're going to learn more about our team that way we're going to find out who can throw a three-two slider with the bases loaded and two outs we're going to figure out who can lay down a sacrifice bunt in the bottom of the seventh inning. And so I think when you make it as competitive as possible, when you're facing your roommates and you're looking for bragging rights, also when you're looking to make sure your team gets better, there's a lot of good that can come out of those fall ball World Series situations. We do a trophy presentation. We do a team picture. We do an award ceremony. We want guys to feel like they know what it means to be a winner and also what it feels like to lose during that World Series. So it's a really important time of the year for us. Wow, that sounds like uh, 
That sounds like it's almost as fun to uh, come up with those ideas as it is uh, for the players to to compete in it. Um, Tom, maybe just tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, why you love coaching, especially at the college level. You've coached at the college level for many years, as you mentioned. You know, what do you love about the next wave of kids coming in or, you know, you know, different things about the college baseball level? Well, I think part of it comes back to influences that I had. I, I was lucky enough to play both college baseball and basketball. I, I will say much more successful in baseball than I was basketball. Apparently, you have to be able to make an open jump shot if you want to be a college basketball player. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, but had some great influences um, in, in the coaching world on me at a young age. And uh, as I got a chance to get into the coaching profession, I wanted to make sure that I was able to give back like those college coaches gave back to me. And so, uh, you know, for over 20 years, I've tried to take pride in not only teaching my game, my guys the right way to play the game, but also teaching my guys the right way to go about things off the field. And I think if you do that, then the coaching profession is even more rewarding. Trust me, as college coaches, we want to win. And we want to win championships and we want to win trophies. Every college coach wants that. But we also want to be able to look back years later and say, we made an impact on this person's life. And as I... Uh, continue to, to grow in this profession. I want to learn more. Um, I want to get better at what I do and I want to continue to, to know that I'm making an impact on everybody's life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's something that you brought up when we were talking about, uh, in the playing pepper section and, and it, it centered around the alumni and, you know, something that, uh, being an alumni, but you know, also being from afar, uh, I'm not around the program day to day and, and don't get a chance to get back there so often. Um, you, you mentioned how important it is for you, uh, to respect what has happened in the past uh, with the Jamestown baseball and the Jimmy baseball program. And, you know, why, why is it so important to you, Skip, that, um, the alumni and, and, you know, what's transpired over your 20 years uh, as a head coach at Jamestown, why is that so important for the guys they're just coming into the program. Well, I think that it's important because there's been guys that have came before them that have set the bar. And um, I want my guys to not only respect the fact that there's so many great players that have came through here, there's also been great people to come through the doors. They've paved the way for them. And there's a lot of traditions that they've set that I want my guys to respect. And on top of it, I want them to raise the bar. I think it's one thing to be as good as the guys that played before you, but I would hope that every one of my new teams want to be even better than the teams before us. When you can create that level of expectation, then I think you have something special. And so that's what we strive for every year when we get a new crop of players. How can we respect those before us and how can we continue to raise the bar? So, I know what Jordan is like as a manager and a co-host. Um, he's a very aggressive manager, and I, I wonder um, maybe some of the things he picked up uh, from you along the way that's helped him in his managerial career. But tell us a little bit about uh, Jordan, the player uh, oh, that, that you had the chance to work with. So uh, there's a lot of stories that I could share with you, but I promise I'll keep it clean here. Yeah, okay, good. That's good. That's classy. <laughs> now, Jordan... Um, 
from the day he got here, we knew that he was different. And I say that because you could sense that that intensity that you're talking about, that aggressiveness that you're talking about, that you, you now see as a manager, we saw the, the first day he arrived here. And, you know, I always felt like Jordan wanted to uh, prove something. And when you can get a bunch of guys that all feel like they have to prove something, I'll tell you what, um, that's a, a great taste that you want in guys' mouths. You want them to feel like 20-some guys are here to prove something every day they go out and play. So he carried that over to the rest of the guys on our ball call, and he became a leader. He played the game the right way. You could tell that uh, there could be some coaching in his DNA um, through that leadership and also how he played the game. And uh, the other thing that I would say about Jordan is he's always been a winner. And that is something that's uh, priceless. We don't take that for granted. We want to recruit players that hopefully can be the next Jordan Blundell. And um, throughout the course of the last 20-some years, we're still looking for those guys, man. We're still looking for the guy that wants to come out and grind it out every day, that wants to be a leader of people, and that wants to win the day. So I have nothing but respect for the guy on the other end of the phone. So it's it's interesting, and I'll kind of throw this uh, at you as well, Jordan, and and, you, and then you can maybe lead into your next question. Do you do you try to recruit guys that are like that? That you know, do you like to recruit guys that have something to prove? And, and Tom, maybe you can weigh in as well. Uh, you, when you when you recruit a guy that has something to prove, you're getting motivation. Isn't that correct? Yeah. Well, uh, first off, thanks, Skip. I appreciate what you just said. Uh, that means a lot to me. Uh, just like the program, and and you being my head coach means a lot. Um, yeah, Dino, honestly, uh, I, I've recruited guys that, that um, were on their second and third chances. Uh, I've recruited guys that, you know, other other people over had overlooked. Um, I've recruited guys that um, maybe didn't have a great track record and, and you know, n- not sign every one of them, but take chances on some players uh, to provide them an opportunity. Um, it, it, it's something that I was given. You know, I wasn't the squeakiest clean person ever. And, you know, people gave me opportunities. And, and uh, like what Coach Hager said, uh, I tried to bring something uh, to the table that uh, made it important uh, for me to be a part of something. And, and, you know, for me, I had to learn how to be, to, how to follow. And, and that was a big part of my experience at Jamestown. I, it's not about me and it's about the group. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that I've been able to take into my coaching career and I've recruited guys already this this year and talked to them about you know what we want to do and, and how we want to take pride in everything that we do in the summer, in summer ball, which is different than college. And, you know, those are the things I learned at Jamestown College. So uh, for me, yeah, second chances and, and going after guys that have a little bit of an edge that maybe some other guys aren't interested in. Yeah, that's a, that's interesting to me mm-hmm. for sure. Tom, Sk- would you skip? weigh in on that? Absolutely. You know, look, we can find talented players. There's plenty of talented players out there, but whether it's Jordan recruiting for his summer team or me bringing him here to Jamestown, we're looking for guys that are not only talented, but that also have those X factors. They hustle on and off the field. They wear their uniform the right way. They handle things the right way on and off the field. And that definitely has something to prove because if you're a really talented player, and you feel like you have something to prove, now we get a bunch of those guys, and the sky's the limit. So without question, we want guys that have X factors, not just guys that are talented, but guys that have both. 
Well, Dino opened this door into some of what I experienced with you. So I, I'm, I'm going to bring up a quick story. It was uh, end of my sophomore year. We had our player exit meetings and, and I had been an inconsistent player my freshman, sophomore year. And I, I'd done all right, but inconsistent would be a great term to describe uh, what I brought to the program. And uh, I remember sitting in your office, Skip, at the end of the year, and you laid it out for me and said that, you know, you, you had expectations for me that, that haven't been met yet, um, that you thought I could reach a certain potential and I hadn't done that yet, um, and that you believed that I could, uh, but the way things are going, I hadn't shown enough yet to, to warrant having a job for sure in the fall. And, um, you know, you said you'd go out and, and look to, to bring a guy in to push and, and if he wins the job, so be it, you know, your job to lose type talk. And, uh, I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but, um, it was one of the first times where, where I really recognized that I had to step up. Like it, it's, it's about looking in the mirror, you know, it's not about what I think it's about what I'm going to do. And, and you made it clear that, that it was time to prove something. Uh, so that summer I came home and worked my butt off. You know, there's no doubt about that. Uh, and, and came back to school and kept my mouth shut and just went out and played my junior year all fall. And, and my roommates are kind of, you know, how, how you feel, you know, what'd you do this summer? I'm like, I, I just, I didn't play it up. I just said, I'm gonna be ready. Like look out. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I, I took that attitude and that was part of me maturing as a human. And, and I, that's one of the reasons I really appreciate my time in the program is, is I needed to hear that. And I'm thankful that I was able to be a grown up about it and not pout. And that was an important part of my maturation as a baseball player. So I thank you for that. Um, and, and leading into something to prove, uh, I wanted to touch on the 2004, uh, my senior year, the, the ball club that made it to the World Series. And another thing that I don't think we've ever talked about, Skip, is, um, you know, it was such a joyous, it, it was so sad the way we had ended, but then we were voted back in to, to play as a wildcard team. Uh, Skip, tell me about what your emotions were like as a, you were a young manager at the time, um, late twenties, you know, you had a, a, a special ball club. Um, you know, we lose in game three of a three game series and then our season's over, but we have a chance to be voted back in. And like, what, what were, what were your emotions going through that roller coaster? Cause I, I know what mine were, but I don't think I've ever asked you what you were going through in 2004 when we made it to the world series. Well, first of all, that was a really special team because we had guys from all kinds of places and all kinds of backgrounds, some guys that were with the program for four years and some guys that had only just gotten there uh, within a year. And uh, we were able to take a group of really talented players from a lot of different places and backgrounds and blend them together. And I think a lot of the credit goes to, you know, guys that were like you, upperclassmen who decided to make an effort to make things work and to blend together and create good chemistry. And we went on such a roll, you know, 26, 27 game winning streak. I mean, that's unheard of at any level of baseball. And we just kept winning and winning and winning. And uh, then when it felt like it got cut short, um, you know, I just remember thinking, man, I want one more day with this team. I want one more chance to just hang out with them. And, you know, forget about the games. Give me another chance to get on a bus and, and spend time with my team because it really was a special group. And thankfully, we got that opportunity. Thankfully, we got to experience Lewiston. I think we all wish it would have gone a little differently. 
But uh, that was a special group and a, a time in my coaching life that I'll never forget. I felt the exact same way about my fantasy baseball team this year. Uh, we our season was cut, cut way too short, and uh, I really bonded with Kershaw yeah, and you, you were looking to deal guys right at the yeah, end. I know. Coach Hanger wanted to hang out with us, yeah, you're trying to trade. I was trying everyone. to trade everybody. I, I, I'll be honest, uh, Tom. Maybe the um, the importance of leagues like the Western Canadian Baseball League and teams like the Edmonton Prospects and the development of players and uh, the relationships. Uh, I mean. You know, when when you recommend a player goes somewhere, he's going on your word. So to have relationships like you do with Jordan and, and possibly others, how important is that for your players' development? It's extremely important. We talk about it all year. You know, I think there's sort of this misconception that, uh, and I hear this a lot from parents, that, you know, a college coach just wakes up one day and says, you should go here. Mm-hmm. And you know, they, they, like we tell our players, you should just go to this place. I mean, trust me, there's a lot of thought that goes into what's going to be the best situation for this kid this summer. Sometimes there's players that need to spend more time in the weight room. Sometimes there's players that need to rehab and, and get healthy after an injury. And in a lot of cases, it's where is this kid going to be able to go get another 100 at-bats or maybe get another 50 innings on the mound be able to be well-coached, be able to play against really good competition, and then know that that they're going to be taken care of in the community that they're in. So there's plenty of thought that goes into placing players for the summer. And we've been lucky enough to send some guys to some great places, get them to come back. In a lot of cases, they come back better players, and they come back with a better attitude. And so I have nothing but respect for the job that Jordan does in the summer. Um, the opportunities that uh, my guys get by heading up to Canada and playing 50, 60 games, um, it's irreplaceable. And we talk a ton in our program about there being four phases. We've got fall ball. We've got the strength and conditioning phase. We've got the game phase. And then we've got summer ball. And um, you need to know that um, we take summer ball just as important as any of the other times of the year, if not more important. So um, nothing but respect for what's being done up there, and uh, our guys definitely reap the benefit. Yeah, we were lucky to have uh, Tanner Roundy, who was a graduating senior mm. with the University of Jamestown Jimmy's baseball program, come up last summer. Um, a friend of Podcast Alley here with, with right. Dino. He was on the show. Um, I mean, uh, everything that you had described to me about what Tanner was as a player and a human was exactly right um it was a pleasure to have him on our ball club uh surprisingly uh he was a, the the quietest leader i've ever been around i don't know how many words he actually said last summer but he had i was le- gonna ask you if you actually got him to talk <laughs> in yeah. your interview yeah no and not <laughs> you know what like he i know he d- did things away from my eyes that made us better um i didn't witness it nobody told me but I could see the relationship that he created with guys that we had from all over, freshmen from Wisconsin, fresh sophomore from Puerto Rico, you know, a guy from down South, a guy from Canada. Uh, his ability just to be a good dude with everyone was really important for our team. And uh, it's those things that uh, go unnoticed. They don't show up in the stats column. Um, I think if you asked Tanner, he would have loved to have better numbers um, but he was a guy that was a no brainer for me to play every day because I know what he brought to the table. Um, and then on top of that, 
I've never had somebody be able to steal bases to the level of success <laughs> that he did. Didn't and he I, lead your team? He led the team, yeah. and I watched him do it in the spring on a spring trip. I saw Jamestown play last spring, and I watched him steal on this team. And I, I was like, I talked to Skip after. I'm like, why don't they pick over? It's like they didn't understand that he was going to do it. I'm like, he looks like he's going to go. Yeah. And then he goes for his pitch, and then he gets on the next time, and he goes for it. It's like, maybe you should stop him from running. It doesn't look like he's fast, and then there's there's no play. So he was awesome to have. Um, I wanted to lead that into what the season outlook is for you this year, Skip. And um, maybe tell us a little bit about the ball club and, and where you're at now as a team and um, what's coming up for you in the next couple of weeks with uh, the Kansas trip and the Arizona trip. Well, the first thing that I would say is we got to find a way to replace 30-some stolen bases, yeah. a really good center fielder and a leader of people, and that's Tanner Roundy. Yeah. So uh, he was a special individual. We're really glad that uh, he was able to come up there and play for you guys. And, uh, you know, trust me, um, we, we miss him. Um, he was a huge part of our program. So, you know, one of the things he did do is he passed the torch down to, to some guys in our outfield that, do have the ability to swipe some bags and do have the ability to be leaders of our defense. And so um, I, I think he passed on the torch to some guys that have a chance to really get it done. We like our team. We have a long ways to go. Every day we're just trying to improve uh, on the little things. Uh, I do think team speed is going to be something that um, is going to be a strength of ours. And uh, I think we're going to have the opportunities to play the, the small ball game and still hit some home runs. I think this team's got the, the ability to do both. But time's going to tell that. And, um, you know, we've got a few weeks left before we start playing, and then we've got a grind of a schedule. It starts with uh, five games in Joplin, Missouri, against five different teams. And then we head down to Kansas to play a four-game series. And then we follow that up with a 10-game trip to Arizona. And so we're going to find out a lot more about where we're at. But I, I, I like my team. I, I think we've got a ton of potential. Uh, we need to create some depth. I'm hoping that these early uh, season trips will allow us to get uh, a look at several different arms, several different guys in the field, and then kind of figure out who goes where so that when the conference season starts, we're ready to roll. But without any question, I'm excited about what we've got going here. Uh, that's great. And, and, you know, honestly, I just keep hearing the undertone of something to prove and that that's what Jimmy baseball stands for. And it sounds like it's coming back again. Um, we take care of our, of our own game and see what happens and we'll play anybody anytime. Um, and because we're talking about spring trips, I, I mean, I got to share this story of our, of our spring trip down to South Carolina skip and um, you're so right about something <laughs> to prove. Um, we had some Division right. II programs on, on the schedule, which was at the time for us a big deal. I mean, we, were, we weren't that educated about all the levels. Uh, we just played baseball. So uh, to play some Division II programs and, and all the po politics behind what level is better. Um, so we go down to South Carolina, uh, and it was a great trip. I don't know how you figured out how to do this, but so we, we stayed at a school, and the school had this extra – you know, gym locker room kind of by the football field that was fairly big and they laid cots out and bunk beds for us. So we didn't stay in a hotel. We went down there and stayed in these bunk beds. 
Um, and I'll tell you what, man, like skip that. That was the best thing a college baseball team could do. We, thankfully we all liked each other. Like we did. And maybe that made this an easier decision to do this, but we all got along. So you put, you know, 25 guys that are like-minded in a room for seven days, playing baseball, coming home. Like we were rolling. So, you know, we went into a couple of ballparks and and beat some teams that didn't think that we were going to be good enough to beat them. Um, and I just actually came across when we were looking some stuff up on, on you, Skip, uh, the Tusculum box score from 2004 when we w- went and played uh, uh, Tusculum Pioneers, which is a pr- pretty good Division Two program. And I remember that game vividly right, right. Um, because their their third baseman was the D2 player of the year the year before. And um, I'm not going to lie, I had a chip on my shoulder. I was like, that, there's no way this guy's going to be better than me today. And uh, we went toe-to-toe with that program, beat them 8-7. Um, it was great. It was a great feeling for us because it, it kind of was something like that. We had something to prove as a group of guys against a, a Division Two program, and we were able to do that. And we did on that whole trip. So, what do you think is important for you guys to prove uh, when you get down into Arizona and you have that um, kind of compact schedule in the in the warm weather? Uh, what's that trip meant to prove for you guys? Well, first of all, I think it's about uh, you know getting to know each other and. Um, when we make these trips south, it's not just about who we're playing. It's not just about how much we can improve um, as a team. It's also um, where's our team chemistry going to go? And by you know getting on a bus, traveling several hours, or in the case of Arizona, by, by getting on a flight, staying in a hotel room for 10 days, you learn a lot more about your team. And you hope that the chemistry continues to improve. Because if you've got talented players and then you can add good chemistry to the mix, anything's possible. So that's something that we definitely are aware of when we make these trips. And then I would say that, um, you know, when you get a chance to play teams from all over the place, you, you look forward to the challenge. You look forward to the challenge of playing a team that you've never played before. Um, you look forward to the challenge of uh, playing against really good competition in our case, we look forward to the challenge of playing teams from the South, knowing they've got a bunch more games under their belt. And we want to go prove that we're one of the best teams in the country and, and we want to bring it every day when we're down there. So it's such a special time for college baseball players. And it's also a special time for coaches to learn a heck of a lot more about their team. Uh, well, right now, um, when it comes to baseball at the highest level, uh, we should be talking about uh, the remaining free agents uh, that are out there, and, and that gets chatted about a little bit. Uh, we talked a lot about last week uh, the great uh, Canadian Larry Walker yep. going into the Hall of Fame, uh, but it's all being overshadowed by the <sighs> intricacies of this scandal with the Houston Astros. I mean, just from uh, from Tom, from a baseball purist's perspective, um, this has got to make a person sick. Yeah, it really does. You know, uh, it, it definitely makes you think, uh, whether you're a fan, whether you're a player, whether you're a coach, it makes you think about the game in a different way. I will tell you that um, old school baseball purists would probably say that, hey, you know, sign stealing, uh, that's part of the game. It's been going on for generations. But the way in which it was done, right. um, the lack of integrity and the people that it involved, um, you wonder, you know, how did it get to this point? And so, um, you know, I think every moment's a teachable moment. 
And um, I'd be lying to you if I said that, you know, signs and stealing signs and all of the, the chess matches that go with it aren't a part of the game. I think they are part of the game. But in this case, things were taken way overboard. And um, it's too bad that it had to come to this point. So, uh, yes, I think a lot of us are sick to our stomach. And we just hope that things get corrected and we can all enjoy this game that we've came to love. Yeah, and it's a, a high level and high degree of preparation that was put into finding cameras, mm-hmm. relaying signs, like the, the, the like like Dean said. If you, if you believe it, wearing buttons and <laughs> yeah, things like like the the, electro- the electronic, unbelievable. Yeah, the electronic work that went into this and the planning, like you said, Jordan, ridiculous. It, yeah, it, it's a it's a new level, definitely crossed the line. But it it, it actually is a, is a, uh, for me it. it provides me a good opportunity to ask you a question of how do you prepare for programs down south that you've never seen, that you don't know a lot about, um, what goes into the coaching staff? And I know you, you've got great assistance there with Coach Iliff and, and Padilla and a couple other guys. Um, what do they do? What are their responsibilities as far as pre-advanced game scouting on new opponents that you don't know anything about? Well, yeah, well, you know, you're always trying to gain an edge and you're trying to do that in a ethical way, right? And so there's several different options that, that we take a look at when we're trying to prepare and scout teams. Uh, one is, you know, uh, what have they done in the past? Um, from stats to wins and losses to their roster, um, what do they look like in past years? And what kind of uh, patterns might they fall into? I think you also take a look at um, current stats um, current spray charts, uh, anything that you can get your hands on that technology will allow here in, in the year 2020. And then I think the last thing that you take into consideration is, you know, what are you able to get on them now? And in some cases, we uh, will send our coaches out to watch games throughout the course of our Arizona trip. We might be playing on one field. We might be having one of our coaches uh, checking out a game on another field and, and they're bought into it because they know that um, it's about helping the team win. And so, you know, um, there's a, there is a lot of preparation that goes into it, but I will tell you that when it gets to be game day, I'm a big believer that my team has to go out and take care of business themselves. In other words, we'll take some things into consideration about the opposing team, but at the end of the day, we got to go play our game. And I think that trumps everything. So we try to find a, a happy medium between learning as much as we can about the opponent and still going out and playing our game. So just going back to uh, the Astros quickly, how do you feel about their championship and their, their recent success? I mean, uh, th- you could be split. And, and I'm like, listen, I'm a Dodgers fan. There's no way I'm saying the Dodgers should get a World Series from that. I don't believe in that. I wouldn't want it to happen that way. But I also think there's an asterisk besides uh, the, the Houston Astros' success over the past few years. I don't know how there can't be. Oh, I agree. I, I, I really have. I, I don't know how to rectify the situation. I agree with you. Um, I don't think that the Dodgers should be handed a championship. But I also think that uh, the Astros earned it in a way that shouldn't be tolerated. So um, all of us baseball guys, I think, have been throwing that around in our heads a little bit over the last few weeks, and I'm not quite sure what the answer is. I know this, though. um, I just want the game to be appreciated for what it is. I want people to go out to the ballparks. 
Um, it's a special, special game. It's the best game in the world. And hopefully um, some of the things that have taken place over the last few weeks don't get in the way of, you know, dads taking their kids to the ballpark and enjoying the game that we have. Yeah, it, uh, I, I need to uh, bring up the fact that, um, you know, Jamestown College, Jimmy's, uh, the University of Jamestown, Jimmy baseball program has had a lot of Canadians go down there over the years. And a lot of guys from this area in particular in, in northern Alberta, greater Edmonton region, and and some guys in, in the Calgary area and in the Okotoks Dogs program. Um, and, and, you know, when you get Canadian guys down there, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's a cultural adjustment for us going down because even though it's North Dakota, it's right on the border, the U.S. is a lot different than Canada, and, and you got to kind of learn what that country is all about. Um, so what would you tell, and, and, like, what do you go through when you, when you pick up the phone and you talk to a, you know, a player from in and around our area or in B.C., you know, what does it mean to go down to the University of Jamestown as a student? Uh, what are the facilities like? And I know you guys have done an amazing job with some of the improvements down there. What's it like to go down there as a student athlete and, and join the, the University of Jamestown? Well, I think something that people need to know is that when we do pick up the phone to find out about a player, uh, we're going to ask that coach um, or manager about that player's ability and their talent, maybe in the fourth or fifth question. The first question we're going to ask is, what kind of a kid are we getting? What's this kid's character like? What's his personality like? Then we might ask him about his family. We might ask about um, that particular student-athlete's grades. And eventually, we'll get to the baseball part of it. Um, because first, um, we want to know, you know, who are we getting and what are we getting and eventually we'll get to, can this guy hit or can this guy throw? And I think that uh, gets misconceived plenty by the public. Once we find out about a kid, if we feel like um, you know they're the right guy for us, we want to develop a relationship with them, learn more about them and their family, uh, get them to come down and visit our campus and check things out, and uh, eventually um, hope that we can sign them and make them a part of our family. And I'll tell you that uh, our Canadian players um, have been tremendous assets to our campus. From being good baseball players to being good in our community to uh, doing plenty of things on our campus that make a difference, we've been so lucky with our Canada connection. And we want to keep that thing rolling. Um, We wouldn't be able to have the program we have without the Canadian players that have came down here and made a difference. Uh, well, I think uh, everybody that has done that has been uh, happy. Listen, I, I grew up in Brandon, Manitoba, so it's not terribly far from yeah. uh, where you guys are. I, I always loved going across <laughs> the border for hockey games to uh, Williston or Minot or uh, some of these different places, and, and uh, the, the sports atmosphere is great. So I can only imagine what uh, baseball would be like. Yeah, we've. I'll tell you what, uh, Brandon's been good to us. We've had a lot of good players from Manitoba, whether that be at Brandon or, or Winnipeg or any of the other towns in, in Manitoba. And you find blue-collar kids that, that want to prove themselves, as we've said a million times here tonight. Um, we, uh, we, we really like what those kids stand for and how they go about their business. So hopefully we can continue that trend. Excellent. Thanks so much for joining us on the show today, Tom. Uh, appreciate it, and best of luck in the season. Thank you so much for having me, and 
Jordan, uh, it's always a privilege. Thanks for spending time with me today. Yeah, I know, man. I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Skip. You bet. Let's get back to the action. This is the Prospects Baseball Show. That was a fun conversation. Uh, it sounds like a man with a lot of passion, and uh, I imagine it must have been a lot of fun uh, to, to play for him. And that's pretty much going to wrap this up on uh, this week's episode. Uh, we heard from uh, Tom Hagen. The Hager. Hager. Yeah, I knew I was going to do that once. So where's what, okay. why why did you say that? Where Tom is Hagen <laughs> was the conciliar, the the lawyer, for lack of a better term, in The Godfather, played by Robert Duvall. Yeah, he was like the the. He's a right hand man. He's your bench coach. Yeah, he was the he was the the guy that kind of kept the fan. I knew I was going to do that at some point. Yeah. I can't believe I didn't do it uh, in the interview. So Tom Hager, yep. uh, thank you so much for uh, joining us. And uh, I, I'm glad I didn't mess it up when we were chatting with him. So I look forward to our show next week. Maybe there'll be some more. Uh, well, there will be some more signings uh, from from your perspective, I'm sure. Yeah. And um, some signings from some uh, Major League Baseball teams as well. Hope you enjoyed the program. Uh, if you did, uh, please subscribe to the program wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, and if you could leave us a review, uh, because it really helps us to make this show a whole lot better. If you would like to advertise with us, email us at prospectsbaseballshow at gmail.com. And with the video coming, we had to have a few other things that we can work in as well. Jordan, yeah. thanks as always uh, for coming out. Uh, Hopefully it's just as warm when we uh, chat next week and you have uh, another busy week. Yeah, this is a great episode for me, Dino, talking to Skip and getting yeah. getting uh, some of those stories out. Uh, I'm grateful for this one today. Yeah, it was a really good episode. That's it for us. Thanks very much for joining us. Ban the shift. <laughs> it's gone. It's a grand slam. And that's the ball game.